Thank you for listening to this audio recording from the pastoral team at Church of the Redeemer, an Anglican church in Greensboro, North Carolina. If you'd like to know more about Church of the Redeemer, its ministry, or its mission, then visit us online at RedeemerGSO.org. We proclaim these essentials each week when we recite the Nicene Creed. He, Jesus, God from God, of one being with the Father, came down from heaven by the power of the Holy Spirit. He became incarnate from the Virgin Mary and was made man. Jesus is not half and half, half God, half man, or 60-40, or 30-70, but he's 100% God, and he's also 100% man. Mary's conception was supernatural, but Jesus came into this world in the exact same manner as every one of us here today. Like us, he started off as a zygote, which is a cell that contains all the genetic material to produce an individual. Half of his DNA was from Mary, his mother, and the other half from the Holy Spirit and the power of the Most High. Then through a process called cleavage, or just, you know, cleave something, splits in two, the cell was cloven or split into two. The two cells became four, four cells became eight, and eight became 16. So the cells kept dividing and dividing and dividing and dividing until something called a blastocyst is formed. Next, he became an embryo, and the embryo turned into a fetus. Mary carried Jesus in her body around for nine months, and while she and Joseph were in Bethlehem, she went into labor and brought Jesus into the world by natural childbirth. And so this concludes our biology lesson for the day. I don't know all the steps in between, but ask. I'm sure there's some biology, biology majors here, so they'll sort you out. So I went into all this detail to make sure that we don't miss the wonder that Jesus has a body exactly like ours. It functions exactly like ours. He had two eyes and two ears and a mouth and a nose. His body needs oxygen and food and water and sleep to operate properly. So in the carnation, he's fully human like us, except he's without sin. But why did Jesus come into the world in this way? In John 1.38, the Apostle John says that the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. But what are the works of the devil? Earlier up in the verse, John gives us a clue in the first part. It says, whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. Just look at our world. It won't take long to see the effects of the devil's works of sin and death. It's on the news every, every, every day. You turn on the television or read in the newspaper. Uh, we just see <laughs> every day of robberies, of murders, cities devastated by war and acts of terror. Our world's ecosystems are suffering and dying from waste and pollution. Our world wasn't always like this. If we go back to the beginning and we see that God and humanity dwelt together in harmony and order, as we talked about before, as I mentioned before, that during creation, God was, let us make man in our image. We're, we're made in the image of God. 
And God gave humanity authority over all the earth to cultivate it, to protect it, and to partner with God to build a beautiful world. That's our original purpose. That's what we were made for. But through Satan's lies and deception, humanity chose not to follow God's command. And in an act of rebellion, they handed over their authority of this world to Satan. He became the God of this world. And humanity and all of creation was thrown into chaos. It's just been going on ever since. Humanity, as the image of God, became marred and warped, became twisted. Humanity became enslaved to sin, spiritually dead, subject to death, and the harmonious relationship that they had with God and with each other and with creation itself was broken. In addition, creation fell into bondage to corruption, death, and decay. No doubt this brought Satan joy. After all, Jesus said, the thief comes only to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And that's still his goal today. He wants nothing more than to rob you of the destiny and all that God has for you. That's all he wants. Because you are a bearer of the image of God, because you carry his image, Satan wants nothing more to seek your destruction and demise. I know it's a, it's a lovely Christmas <laughs> sermon today. It gets better. Um, I imagine Satan thought he won that day in the Garden of Eden. But God had a word for Satan. God prophesied to him, Adam and Eve, that an offspring of Eve will come and that he will bruise Satan's head, crush his head, and that Satan will bruise his heel. So the rest of the Bible narrative is the fulfillment of that promise. The incarnation of Jesus, Jesus becoming man, is the fulfillment of that promise. In Hebrews 2.14, we see that Jesus partook our flesh and blood, that through death, he, Jesus, might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is, the devil. Jesus became fully human to defeat Satan, his works, to conquer sin and death, and to fully save and restore humanity in the image of God. Two, as Jew preached on Christmas Eve, after the fall, the world became under the rule of Satan and the powers of darkness. In John 3, 17, we see that God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that in order that the world might be saved through him. Jesus came to save the world, to bring life and light to it. In our gospel lesson, we learn that in him, Jesus is life. And that life is the light of men. He is the true light, which gives light to everyone, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it, and it never will. Have you ever been in a room, a dark room, or out in the woods at night, and it's so dark that you can't even see your hand in front of your face? And then when someone flips on a light switch or someone just lights a tiny, tiny match, you can see. You can see because the light has displaced the darkness. It's pushed the darkness back. Before God revealing himself to us, we are spiritually walking in darkness. Don't know where we are. We're blind. We can't see. 
don't know where we're going. But when Jesus, the light of the world, comes and shines his light on us, we see him, and we see ourselves as we truly are, that we're lost, we're dead in sin. We see where we are and where we're going, and where we're going is not good. We're heading towards death and destruction. We see what Jesus has done for us, and we repent of our sin and we turn to him. Jesus saves us and delivers us from the domain of darkness and transfers us into the kingdom of his son. Number three, Jesus came to take away our sin and to settle our account. Through our sins and transgressions, we become indebted to God. The reason that God has come in the Lord Jesus Christ is so that our sins and our lawless deeds may be remembered no more. Hebrews 10, 17. In other words, that we may receive forgiveness. Now, forgiveness is an interesting word. Its oldest meaning was a financial term for a benefactor or a lender canceling the debt of someone that had, they had loaned money to. They give up what they are rightfully owed. In that sort of situation, the person canceling the debt is the one who loses because they, they were owed X amount of dollars, but they've forgiven the debt. So it is with God forgiving us. Jesus loses everything. He gives up his life so that our debt may be canceled and that we would no longer have to carry the burden of guilt and shame. So many people are striving to give, live a good moral life and they're trying to do the right thing in hopes that, that the good that they do will outweigh the bad in their lives. But no matter what they do in an attempt to cancel out the debt, to outweigh the bad, their account of sin still stands against them. There's a hymn that goes, There was a time on earth when in the book of heaven an old account was standing for sins yet unforgiven. My name was at the top and many things below. And part of the refrain goes, Long ago, Long ago, yes, the old account was settled long ago. And the record is clear today, for he washed my sins away when the old account was settled long ago. Jesus settles our account. Through the incarnation, Jesus came to do what we could never do ourselves. There's, there's nothing, there's no amount of good deeds, there's no amount of good works that we can do. We can be nice to everybody, try to live a good life. But that still will not get us to God. Every other religion, you have to do this, pray these prayers, do these things in order to try and get to heaven. But in Christianity, God comes to earth and does what we cannot do for ourselves. He lived the life that we should have lived. He died the death that we should have died. Ultimately, he came to deal with our sin bearing shame and scoffing rude in our place condemned he stood he sealed our pardon with his blood hallelujah what a savior for he came to bring the kingdom of god to earth now going back to the old testament god's original design was that god meant for his kingdom and the earth to exist together but through humanity's sin the earth and the kingdom of god were separated from each other 
but we were also separated from the presence of God. And as the narrative of the Old Testament unfolds, we see instances where God's presence comes to earth. We see this in the tabernacle and the temple back in Exodus and later on in Solomon, 1 Kings. The tabernacle and the temple each had a place within it called the Holy of Holies. And this is where the presence of God would dwell. And the only person that could enter the Holy of Holies was the high priest. And only he could enter once a year on the Day of Atonement. The high priest served as the representative of the children of Israel on that day. On other days, the children of Israel would come to the tabernacle and temple and offer sacrifices for their sin to be covered and so they could be near God. But in our gospel lesson, we heard that Jesus, the Word, became flesh and dwelt among us. This word translated dwelt among us literally means in the Greek that he pitched his tent. John is alluding to the God dwelling with the Israelites in the tabernacle where his presence dwelt. He's proclaimed that Jesus' body is now the temple or the tabernacle. The place to enter into God's presence is Jesus. This is why we take communion so seriously and do it every week. Because through that body, through Jesus' body, the bread of heaven, we are encountering the presence of God. When Jesus began his ministry at the beginning of the gospel of Mark, it says that Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the good news. The kingdom of God is at hand. Heaven is invading earth to find what was lost and to fix what was broken. In every healing that Jesus does, in every healing the blind see, the deaf hear, the lame walk, when demons are cast out of people and people are set free, Jesus is displaying the kingdom of God on earth. Jesus is our great high priest that makes atonement for us so that we can enter into the kingdom of God. So what does the incarnation mean for us? As some folks said earlier, that in the incarnation, God is drawing near to us. So near that God actually became one of us. After all, Jesus is Emmanuel. He is God with us. Living on earth, he experienced everything that we've gone through or are going through or will go through in this life. Jesus had everything. Jesus had to learn and to talk. He had to learn his words. He had to learn his colors. This is a cow. Cow goes moo. Uh, his parents probably gave him chores. But in being human, Jesus also felt every emotion that we feel. Jesus knows what it's like to be excited, joyful, relaxed, hopeful, grateful, affectionate, and peaceful. He also knows what it's like to be angry, to upset, be depressed, afraid, vulnerable, tired, sad, heartbroken, and in pain. Isn't that comforting this morning? That, that God identifies with us. 
He can identify with our pain. He can identify with our frustrations. I don't know about you, but sometimes I've felt like no one in this world understands me. Or no one in this world knows how I feel. Or no one knows what I'm going through. That no one cares. And I feel all alone. If that's you this morning, I want to declare to you that Jesus understands you. He sees you. He knows how you feel. He knows what you're going through. And he knows everything about you. The good, the bad, and the ugly. He's not waiting for you to get it right. He's not waiting for you to be perfect or to clean your life up or to get your act together. He accepts you just as you are. But by his great love and an amazing grace, he will not leave you as you are. He cares for you. He is passionate about you and he loves you deeply. He wants to be with you. His goal is to make you like Jesus. As for Jesus coming to destroy the works of the devil, to bring salvation to humanity and the world and by bringing the kingdom of God to earth. We see a picture of this in our Old Testament lesson. We heard Mac read that for as the earth brings forth its sprouts and as a garden causes what is sown in it to sprout up, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to sprout up before all the nations. How does God do this? Jesus becomes one of us, and he sows his life into the world. Let's look at the beginning of Isaiah 61. This is the passage that Jesus read to the people in Luke 4 when he was teaching in the synagogue, and he reads the passage, and then he closes the scroll, and he gives it back to the attendant. He sits down, and everybody's like, what's he going to say next? I mean, okay, just read this passage. And he says that this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing today. Jesus became flesh to bring the good news to the poor. He came up to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Looking at verse 4, it says, they. Well, who are they? It's the poor. It's the afflicted. <laughs> it's, it's the brokenhearted. It's the prisoners and the captives that have been set free. These people... Continuing in the passage, shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. He does it through us. He does it through Jesus initially, but then he gives us the kingdom. Jesus saves us and gives us the Holy Spirit as our comforter and our guide who lives inside of us and empowers us to no longer live for ourselves but to live for Jesus and to proclaim the gospel and do the things that Jesus did. In 1 Corinthians 6, Paul writes that our bodies are the temples of the Holy Spirit. This means that wherever we go, as Christians, as children of God, as adopted sons and daughters of God, we are now the tabernacles. We carry the presence of God. We carry his presence, his power, his love, his light and life out into this empty, dark, unloving, and dying world. This is your identity today. This is our identity who are in Christ. 
Jesus restores the relationship and partnership that humanity once had with God to dwell with him and to partner with him in building a beautiful, flourishing world, to rebuild the ruins, the devastations of many generations. In all of this, we can see that God is passionate about his creation. He cares deeply for it. In the incarnation, God became man, a part of creation, in order to save it, to redeem it, and he's making all things new. This is the story of Christmas. It's all about the incarnation. As the angels declared to the shepherds on the day that Jesus was born, behold, pay attention, behold everyone, I bring you good tidings, great news, good news, of great joy which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. So as we close, I just ask you to stop and take a quick inventory of your body, your soul, your spirit this morning. Are you brokenhearted? Are you in bondage to sin? Are there any addictions or thought patterns in your life that are holding you fast and you just can't break free from? Are there strongholds of anger, hatred, bitterness, jealousy, or unforgiveness in your life? Unforgiveness is huge. Are you in need of the good news of Jesus Christ this morning? Jesus offers forgiveness and freedom from your sin, your guilt, and shame. You can be free from it this morning. Just give it to him. Jesus will heal your broken heart. He will bring his life and his light to that which is dead and dark in your life. But Ryan, you don't know what I've done you don't know how hard I struggle with this or that. You know, I don't. I don't, I don't know about your lives. And I don't know what you struggle with. And I don't know the path that you're on. But this I do know. That Jesus knows everything about you. He understands you. He understands your struggles. He cares for you and he loves you. And he's ready and willing to help you at this very moment. In Hebrews it says, since then we have a great high priest, our representative, humanity's representative, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. So will you draw near to Jesus this morning? Through the incarnation, he is already drawn near to us. He is already drawn near to you. He is here with us. Will you repent? Will you turn from your sin? Turn from the path of life that you're walking seems I'm walking on this path and all it's leading is to destruction. I'm going to turn around. I'm going to turn to Jesus and entrust my life to him. Will you entrust yourself to him? Not just a certain part of yourself, not just, hey, Jesus, I'll give you, I'll give you this, this area, this section. I'll give you my Sundays, the rest of the week's mine. But Jesus wants all of you. He wants all of us, not just a part of us.
because he loves you. So today, come to the throne of grace to receive mercy and find grace to help in your time of need. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for coming to this earth, becoming one of us. We thank you for giving yourself for us so that we might have life. We might have it in all. Holy Spirit, just be with the rest of the service. We thank you for what the incarnation means. We thank you for settling our debt. We thank you for making us the light of the world where we carry your presence to all that we come into contact with. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.